When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Business is a team sport. You know, you need, you need to build relationships with others and other people will open doors for you. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dreamcatchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I hopped across the pond <laughs> to hang out with my man, Simone. How are you, sir? Blast. Blast. I mentioned earlier, cannot complain about anything, and uh, I'm excited to get started. Man, I love it. I love it. So you guys know if I went across the Atlantic Ocean, I had to be bringing you an amazing guest. And so, Simone, I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to the show many times, but we do things a little bit different here. And so we don't wait all the way till the end for the contact information for the people to go find out more about you. So let's go ahead and give it to them right up front. How can folks learn more about you? Uh, best way is our website, gtex.org.uk. So it's gtex.org.uk. And that's where you can find the resources on how to grow your business, in particular, making more sales. That's what we do. And that's what we specialize on. Wow. 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 So, all right. What's gtex? Let's talk about it, man. What is that? And how'd you start it? Yeah, I started. So GDEX is a, a stands for Growing Together Exponentially. That's uh, uh, the name of the company. And when my business partner and I sat down about 10 years ago, we were both 20, uh, 24 at the time. And uh, we wanted to create an event company. We wanted to create something because uh, I managed to get a venue for free for seven events in a farm. And so I said, what are we doing? Well, let's start an event company. We got seven venues and seven events in this venue, and then something is going to happen. And and that's how it all started. Uh, we sat down, we looked at our core values together, and they were growth, togetherness, and also not being afraid of putting the work in. If you think about the exponential curve. So that's how we decided to start to name our company, GTEx, because it's growing together exponentially. And, and the vision was to bring people together, different walks of life, to learn from incredible speakers so they can improve their lives. And that was the, the very first 
draft of GDEX. We changed facade multiple times over the 10 years, but that was the starting point. Wow. Okay. So what I find interesting here is you feel like you need people to grow exponentially. So for the person out there who's just trying to do it on their own, do you believe that they can grow exponentially if they try to just do it lone wolf style? No, no, not not alone. Not alone. I mean, who am I to say what's possible or not? Some people can do it on them uh, by themselves. But if you look at a game of business, is a is a team sport. It's not a solo sport. I play basketball. Right? I love team sports. Play basketball. Live for basketball. It's a very different game. If you're playing basketball, you're playing tennis. And and business is a team sport. You have your team. You have other people, businesses where you're doing partnerships. They open doors and opportunities for you. Now, knowing about your journey, you had people that open doors and opportunities for you as well, right? And the more people you know, the more places you are going to get. Well, I think that a lot of people, they try to really push the hard way without building relationship and connections. And that's where the togetherness comes into place because also it's more fun. I mean, that's what I believe. Um, it's way more fun as well. And when you have a community around you, when you have other people around you, you don't only have the the support that you need when things are going well, but when things are not going well, <laughs> at least you have some people that can be there for you. So then you don't give up. Wait, can... are, are you suggesting that things don't go well all the time when you're off on this journey of making? No, 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 exactly. No, sorry, I, I made a mistake. The moment you decide to start a business, all your problems are going to be solved. You will have all the money in the world. You will not have a challenge in your life, not in your personal life, not in your family. Everything is going to be smooth sailing. Absolutely. A hundred. Man, where do I sign up? Because that sounds <laughs> gtex.org. <laughs> 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 Let me guess. It's all for free oh, man. as well, right? And is that that's when the problem starts. That's where the problem starts when you want to start a business. It's a, it's, it's a journey which is worth it. But also, the uh, thing that the bigger the game that you want to play, the bigger the challenges. Uh, I have an example here. Um, we uh, were doing, um, when we started our event company, we were starting with one event a month. And that's the way it was the first part. We ended up running uh, a 200 events a year for five years in a row. What? Yeah. How many? 200 events a year for five years in a row. We had an average of a, we had a total of a thousand, about a thousand events in five years. Wait, but yeah. that's almost an event every day. Uh, about three to four events a week. Yeah. What? How, yeah, how do you, I, I'm so confused. Like, where do you find people for that? Because I know some people try to have meetups and they can't get five people to come to that once a week, let alone four events a week. Yeah, we, we had a, we had a different events. We had events where we would uh, uh, manage, create events for other people. So that was one. We had events where we were directing traffic as a lead generation for our business. We, have, we had live events for our clients. So now we had training to arrange for our clients. We sometimes were running multi-day events where we're doing three, two weekends, three days events. And so the amount of that, then it, it, it adds up. And when we were growing to that point, you know, talking about challenges and the bigger the game, the bigger the, the, the challenge. When we were having the first event with four people in a room, the challenge was 
Well, well, hold on. You just, you just told me all of the problems go away when you start a business. So there's no way you have an event with only four people in a room. You mean, yeah, yeah, that's right? how we started. But even when we were going, when we started, when we went to, when we moved on and did all our events, um, you know, the, the first year, I think the biggest room we had was 20 people, right? That's for the first year. We had events where we had one person show up. We had events and we had four people show up. And two were the speakers and one of them, my, my business partner's father, right? <laughs> and, then, and then there was one poor soul that we chained in the chair and we said, no, you're just going to stay here and listen and stay here until the end. At, at that time, it was the, the challenge was building the confidence you know, to get out there because we didn't know if it was going to work or not. Then when you're at the point when you're running 200 events a year, the challenge is how do you manage your team? How do you find even more people, as you mentioned, to fill out this amount of events? What happens if you are not well to deliver an event? So problem, challenges are always there, but it's just a scale of the challenges that change depending on how big is the game that you want to play. Wow. Well, okay. So uh, you, you got to help me here because I'm still so, trying to convince myself that 200 events a year is possible. What type of marketing team do you need in order to fill up that number of events? Because, I mean, when I think about it, you know, we do two to six events a year, right? And the lift that it takes in order to fill a room is substantial. And if you're not focused on it, you're very likely to have an empty room. Like, now you spent money on the space, you spent money on speaker, like all of this stuff only for you to lose because nobody mm-hmm. came. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, for talking about size of the marketing team, we are looking at it. Hi. <laughs> now, we had a, a virtual assistant that was helping out, but it was us. What happened is that we decided for our for our model to go to a volume-based model. So you can decide to do, when, when you're running an event business, you can decide to do a few things, either to do a few events larger or to do, more events but smaller so the majority of our events that we were doing we didn't have more than about like 70 to 100 people but because of the frequency in which we were doing them then we were actually having at the end of the month the same number of a large event but without the hassle of a large event because large events are exciting but the amount of logistics and things that can go wrong when the room goes to the 500 to a thousand people like i did an event uh, i spoke to an event with les brown and managed part of it uh, um, with about a thousand people there is way more things that can go wrong in an event like that than in a hundred or fifty and so we had our model that was very streamlined and because we were running such a volume of events in smaller rooms then uh, we were able to negotiate really great prices with hotels because we were going to an hotel and instead of saying, hey, give me your biggest room that you have. And there are very few few hotels that have large rooms, right? Very few hotels have really large rooms. So which means that their price is always high and your power of negotiation is very small because they know they're going to fill it up with one event or another. But there are almost every hotel in the corner and in London, there are lots of hotels, right? Almost every hotel will have rooms and multiple rooms between 50 to 100 people. And they're almost empty all the time, in particular in the evening, if they're not hired by corporates. So we were going in hotels and sometimes we were paying like $100 for a room of 50 to 100 people because of the volume which we were doing. So financially for us was great because we didn't have much costs. 
the, the majority I think we spent for a room was about $300, 300 to $400. So it made sense for us with the amount of hustle, the negotiation that we had, the event landscape in London to go for a higher volume model, smaller room, that bigger room and bigger risk. Wow. Wow. And so like, let's talk about the event logistics. Like, What type of events were these and how... I- you're the marketing team. Are you the only speaker too? Like break this down for me. So at the beginning, as I mentioned, we started, I started my first business as 22. And uh, that was to go into schools uh, to, uh, you know, deliver motivational talks to young, to, to young people. And that was my first start in the speaking industry because I wanted to do it. But I didn't feel I had enough to share. You know, you know when you're 22, you don't have a lot of experience to share, but you have relatability with the younger people that are in school. So I made that my selling point. And the fact that I used to work since I was 14. So I had already a good experience in a work environment, in the catering industry. I managed Michelin Star Restaurant when I was 19. So I could show someone that didn't like school that it was that their life wasn't over. And that was my main message. You know, maybe you're not the, the most gifted at school. I wasn't. But your life ain't over. Maybe your genius is somewhere else. And when I was 24 and we decided to start an event company, I still didn't have enough to share, in particular in front of an audience, of an adult audience. So what I did, I started hosting. For the first year, I think I delivered maybe one presentation for 10 minutes. But what we did, we were building so many relationships with other speakers in the industry by inviting them to the event. We tell them up front, hey, we are very new. You might have 20 people. You might have five people. Are you okay with that? (laughs) And somehow they were taking, you know, they were taking a gamble on us. They liked our style. They liked our dreams and our visions. And the majority of speakers we were approaching, they would say, yes, you know, I'll come down. I'll support you guys. And that was uh, for the past. Uh, so for the first uh, three years, our main business model wasn't us speaking, was inviting guest speakers, creating a platform for them. But what happened is because uh, we were attracting year after year more established and higher caliber speakers. Then by association, our profile started growing. And then we felt we were ready at that point to then deliver our own presentation. And then we created a spin-off where we were running one day or weekend seminars. But it took about three years to do have other speakers and build our profile and build our name in the industry before running our own stuff. Wow. So you borrow credibility from established people by inviting them to the event and then in time you were seen around those people enough. And so there was this halo effect that allowed you to elevate your game and also, I guess, learn through the experiences of others. Is that fair? hundred percent. Absolutely. Because uh, I was there hosting, but very selfishly, I was there to learn. <laughs> I sometimes I've even forgotten I was the host that I was supposed to say something because I was there absorbing and learning all the information see what great speakers were doing on stage, seeing also what speakers that I didn't like what were doing on stage to know what I not to do as well. So it was a, an incredible training ground. And and yes, like for the first three years, we made very little or no money. But the fourth year, that's where things started skyrocketing and, uh, and, and things started turning around. So tell me about that. Tell me about what, what happened. Like what was the inflection point that caused things to skyrocket? Uh, Les Brown. <laughs> Les Brown was the inflection point, I'll tell you, uh, and I'll tell you why. 
because we had uh, now we were building so many connections in the industry with other speakers going back to the point of business is a team sport you know you need you need to build relationships with others and other people will open doors for you and because we were doing events and we were connecting with speakers i got uh, um, got in touch with the, the person who was bringing Les Brown to an event in London with more than two, with, with about a thousand people. That was the room capacity that she had. And uh, I contacted her. I said, "Hey, do you need any help? I'm 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 running events. We're running smaller scale events, but I'm familiar with the event industry. Do you need any help? I'm just happy to be there and help you out." She said, "Oh my God, please help me out. Thank you." Uh, I need some help. We are on this large scale event. I need as much help as possible. And so because I had a good experience now with managing a running event, then I really helped her out. We worked through the schedule. I was became like brainstorming all the time. We were brainstorming all the time. And then a week before the event, she called me and said, hey, I have too much on. Can you please host the event as well and be the main MC? I said, hold on. Yeah, I was 26 at the time. No, no, sorry. I was uh, 28 at the time. Said, hold on. I did that, my happy dance, like, oh my God, yeah, woohoo. Yes, I can, of course. <laughs> and that exposure of being in front of a thousand people and actually doing a really damn good job because of all the other smaller events that I did, I was ready for that opportunity. And so, you know, all the people that now were lurking in the background that were seeing the journey, seeing that jump is almost like solidified who we were and what we were doing. It was the stamp of approval. And then sales started coming in that didn't come in before because now we had, you know, we had a big milestone that we have achieved and people weren't seeing us anymore as the two young kids that wanted to try to start an event business, but they were seeing us as someone to follow. And that led to then another opportunity to do the, the year after an event with Gary Vee. Did the same thing, contact the event organizer and say, hey, last year I did this for Les Brown. <laughs> now I had the name, so it was easier. I'm more than happy to come and help you out. And that was there in the same room with Gary Vee. We were part of the organizing team, not hosting and not in the front on the, on the stage, but just being there again, elevated us. And so that what helped create a lot of more sales as well, because people were seeing us as now people to follow and not just the two young kids that wanted to try to build this event business. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, a.k.a. the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Wow, wow, wow. So this is interesting because it's almost like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then boom. But all the nothing was you getting prepared, you getting ready. Because I imagine if you didn't have the reps in the smaller events, then you would have had no idea what to do when you got on stage. You probably would have been shell-shocked or you know, maybe super anxious and unable to perform and improvise and handle the pressure. Like, I mean, talk to me about that. Do, do you think that that other stuff sets you up for the big stage, even though it might not have felt really rewarding? 
Yeah, 100%, 100%. And to be honest, even the other stuff were rewarding for me because it's what I wanted to do, right? When you say, oh, 200 events a year is a lot, but that's what I love to do. That's what I feel the most alive. Give me a stage. I'm a performer. I, I, I love to be at the center of the attention. I love to be there. I love to be under the spotlight. So I was in my element. And when that doesn't mean I didn't have to grow in the speaking field. Like it doesn't mean, didn't mean I knew what I was doing, right? It meant that I was happy being there, but it also meant that every opportunity was to test a new talk, to tell a different story, to try to move myself in a different way on stage, to maybe use different tonality, to learn how to speak English better because English is not my first language. So even my first few talks, people could barely understand what I was saying because I was talking way too fast and my Italian accent was way too strong. Moved to the UK when I was 20. I was speaking English was there for like three, four years. So there were a lot of things that I had to learn and I learned. But when that opportunity happened, then I was ready. I was scared. I was nervous. Absolutely. I don't think I didn't sleep the night before. I was there wrapping gifts for Les Brown and the other speakers <laughs> so that he could have something to give them. But at the same time, the moment I stepped on the stage is almost like all the noise shut. And, and I was there. I owned that moment. And, and all the work that we have done, as you mentioned, was the preparation for that big event. Like the work that we have done until like before that event, after that event, is the preparation for the work we are doing now. There is always okay. preparation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry to cut you off, but I'm getting excited, right? So you said the sales started rolling in after you did that event. What does that mean, right? Because when I think of event company, I think you're putting on the event, people are paying to come attend, there might be some sponsors, there may be some sales outside of the event or the backside of the event that you get to do. But you said the sales started rolling in. So were you doing events for other people? Like, talk to me about the place where you actually monetize. For us, the monetization, the biggest monetization happens from the back of our own seminars. So not when we had external speakers. So then our business model became, we will still run events with external speakers, but they are the ones that most of the time we use to build the database. So we don't monetize anything with those apart from like a few ticket sales. Uh, There is a ticket, some of them were free events. So we're on a loss actually just for venue expenses and so on. And we didn't take a cut from all the speakers at the beginning. So if the speakers were selling something, we didn't even take a cut. They were taking 100% because we wanted them to be there, right? We weren't big enough to demand. We wanted just to be there. You take, you be there, you do help us out. You take 100% if someone buys from you. But then at the same time, about a year before the Les Brown gig, we started running our own event, our own seminars. Like one day we were selling our own products and and courses and at the beginning you know it was like i think we probably got 10 people buying in, in the first year so probably made twenty thousand yeah. <laughs> so twenty thousand dollars on uh, on that year but then after les brown what happened is that people started noticing more my social media growth it really like tripled overnight uh, our database that we were building now with all the other speakers, when we were launching now our own events, they were seeing us under a different light and that's what they were buying. So even if the offer was the same, the price was the same, we were seeing the perception of others was different. And that's where that year we went from 20,000 pounds, I've taken $20,000 to 120,000. That was in a year. And and when I say was the, 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 the 
exponential point. That was Les Brown. And that's the perception that other people have. And that's why I really believe in association. Really, really believe in brand association. Because it's very difficult to grow a brand or to build a reputation completely on your own. The fastest way is associating yourself with other established speakers or established people in your industry, established brand in your industry. Because in people's mind, their idea is that if it's good enough for them, it's going to be good enough for me. If it's good enough for this company, it's going to be good enough for little old me. If it's good enough for this influencer, it's going to be good enough for me. And that's where association becomes really important, I think, in a business level. Wow. So tell me more about association. I call it proximity, but you, you call it association. So tell me more. Like, how'd you learn the principle? Was it just through this experience or was it something you've been seeking? Like, And for somebody out there who's trying to figure out how to do it, maybe you can give them some tips on how to get their brand associated with another brand that's already recognized in the marketplace. Yeah, sure. A uh, few different ways to do that. The... Um... So you can call it proximity. You can call it association. I think it's probably we are talking about this, a very similar concept. Um, the, the idea is that if the, the main brand is perceived here and the, or is known at this level and you are here, the moment you get in touch with that person or that brand, you're not at their level, but you're not there anymore. Like you're here, <laughs> somewhere around the middle. right? So immediately the perception that people have grows massively. And there are different ways in you can do it. Uh, one can be association with uh, organizations, so with brands. Another one is organization with people, but association with people, or another one is association with charities. Uh, the association with people, most of the time, happen can happen, for example, through podcasts. You know, through podcasts that you are knowing people and you're associating with them. But you don't know who the people that you're interviewing know. I'm sure that I know some people that will can increase your your brand by association, and you know some people that can increase mine, right? I'm sure. One of the example of podcasting, great for brand association, is when I got interviewed on Entrepreneurs on Fire. You know, Jolly Duma. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I pitched that podcast for three years. Did I get one response? No. Then one day I was interviewing a guest. And at the end, I asked them, hey, do you know someone that where I could be interviewed? And he said, oh, my good friend, Jolly Duma, have you tried to reach out to him? Well, I've been trying for three years. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll hook you up. Time a month, I was there on Entrepreneurs on Fire. Now, again, the way association works is that uh, some people that are at the top of their game, they're not going to do most of the time. They're not going to do anything for someone who is not at their peer level or just slightly under. What you're doing by associating with other people that are just slightly higher than yourself. You know, if you think about the, the first speakers that we had with our events, they were small speakers, but they recommended us higher speakers. And then we met people that were playing at a bigger and bigger game. And so the level of introduction changed. And that's where I think that everyone can start is to think about who is someone that is just the, doing something where you want to go, maybe it's in a room where you want to go, but it's doing it slightly better than you or is slightly more known than you. That is, it's going to be very difficult for them to turn you down or not even ignore your email, but it'll be something that they will do it. And then build the relationship with them and grow the relationship with, with other people that they know. So that's one way in which you can do it, whether it's through events, whether it's through podcasting, live streaming, that's one way. So what's really cool is you asked, right? You were deliberately asking for intros. And I think so many people are scared to do that. But I mean, this goes back to the way we started the conversation. 
which is you grow exponentially together, mm-hmm. right? And the people who understand the power of introduction and connection are the people who tend to get the biggest steps because just trying to do it through your network, through organic introductions or uh, connections is really slow. I agree. And, and, the, and there is a distinction for that. If you, if you look at it, I gave first in every single situation, which is the other part. I didn't rock up to someone and say, hey, can you make an introduction for me? Like, who are you? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that, the, the, that your network is the, probably the most precious thing that you have in your life. Whatever you have after your health is your network because you can lose everything, but if you have a strong network, you can rebuild it. As long as you're healthy, you have a strong network, you can rebuild anything, right? So even asking for introduction, what people don't realize is that it's something very private. If I make an introduction for you, I'm putting my name on the line. I'm putting, maybe it took me 10 years to be a relationship with that person. You don't know, right? And that's why when building a relationship, I like to give first. You know, before I invited that person on the podcast or I invited them at the event, I maybe made an introduction for them. I did an interview and broadcasted their message. And then I asked, hey, do you know someone that could be relevant? And then whatever happens, happens. And, you know, the bigger the name, the game you play, then the more the bigger the names they become. It's just a matter of time. Uh, but it starts from giving first and building that relationship first. And then when you ask, maybe sometimes you get it. And other times you say, no, I'm not going to make an introduction for you. And got to be okay with that. So where did you learn this principle of giving first? I first saw it when I first noticed it when I was at Pizza Hut and they would bring the bill with peppermints on it. And right. then I went to another Italian restaurant and they would bring mints with the bill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why are they giving me candy? And then I started researching. I was like, oh, well, if you give, then you're more likely to have the other person feel compelled to give. So yeah. like, how did you get this concept that I should give first before I ask? So if we look at on a, so on a business level, when I consolidated this process, I think is a book that every person needs to read. Um, it's called Influence by Robert Cialdini is uh, one of the pillars in, in anything related to marketing, sales, and negotiation. And the concept of reciprocity is spoken a lot in that book. So incredible book, everyone must read, um, Influence from Robert Cialdini. But on a personal level, that was how I was raised. That was my mom's. Uh, she always said, you know, be, you be the kind of person who gives first. Be the kind of person who gives fir- first. Be the kind of person who helps out, who helps other. Uh, I was raised uh, with also a Catholic, Christian Catholic background. So I used to go to church and to catechism until I was um, 17, I think, being heavily involved in my church groups. Uh, like it was a big part of my life. So those principles were there. So even if now I'm not religious anymore, I'm still bringing, I have faith in God, but I don't follow a particular religion now. Even though that's the case, uh, I still live those principles, which uh, I think is just being nice, being a good human being. <laughs> and and that helps a lot. Being a good human being actually helps in life. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> it's funny that people are looking for the hacks and the shortcuts, and the majority of it is just being a good person. Being a good person, yeah. So let, let's go to the question that I, I love to ask all my guests, and it's, kind of towards the end of the show. Um, which dream are you most focused on catching next? Because you've done a lot. 
And I know you're going on safari in, in South Africa here in a few days, but break it down for me. What, what's next for GTEx? What's next for GTEx? You know what? Um, this is something I'm exploring at the moment. So the idea is not really clear. And I'll tell you why. Um, I've, when I said, when you asked me how you, I said, I'm blessed. Because uh, I've arrived at a point now where I have what I wanted to have, if it makes sense. I worked my arse off. But what I wanted to have before, you know, is like, I want to get this, 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 this. I want to achieve that, that, that. Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, radio, TV, events, online training, building a strong community. Like, I have it. And I found myself in the last year just being a bit lost, actually, where I was like, okay, well, what's next? Because I've achieved what I've achieved. And I found myself in a place of complacency where things were good. But for me, it's the worst place to be because when things are the same for a bit too long, it's just a matter of time before something else falls apart. So that's Things can just be on a flat line. And that's not the kind of person I am. So at the moment, I'm actually looking to reshape the vision of what it is, of what GTEx is. What's coming up to me right now is to do what I, we did in London for the events, but to bring them to a to a global level. So mainly focusing a lot in combining the traveling with the speaking that I'm doing. So that's, for example, I got an event in South Africa. Then I've got another one in Portugal soon. But for that to be the norm, for that to be the next norm. And instead of focusing on building our local community, the next step for GTEx to expand it to a global community, because that's what I'm really passionate about, passionate about bringing people together through the message that we have. It happens to be business owners. It happens that we help them with their business and their sales. But what I really love is bringing people together. That's my ethos. That's what I live for. And so far, we've done really well on a local level. Then pandemic happened and the past two years has been let's try to do something different <laughs> because we cannot run events. And we did really well in online courses, but uh, there is nothing for me like a live event. There is nothing for me like being there on a stage. And that's where I can be the most impactful as well. So doing that on a global level, that's the next step for GTEx. How that looks like practically, still forming the the, the, the practicalities of it. But that's the, the, the idea. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Man, you're a dream catcher. You, you, you've bridge the chasm you figured out how to bring people together you didn't let the pandemic stop you you moved things online and it sounds like there's a next iteration out there that's going to involve bringing people together whether it's in person digitally but the community piece is what's most important for you and again it goes back to how we open the show with growing together exponentially so the final question i ask is the question i ask every guest what do you want the listeners What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from our episode? Um, the biggest thing is uh, that business. I, I said it before, but, but business is a team sport. And uh, the moment, uh, the more we can embrace it, the more we can embrace the team aspect of it, the family aspect of the business realm, the faster things are going to grow and the more fulfilling the journey is. So business is a team sport. This is a team sport. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from Simone himself. To you, the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.